graduates. And I'd like them to come up here so we can recognize them today. Isabella and Susanna, come on up. Okay. Isabella, congratulations. We have a little gift for you, a devotional to guide you on your way. And a strong concordance. I didn't pick it. Your dad suggested But please don't, <laughs> don't read it all in one sitting. <laughs> congratulations. Please take your hand. <laughs> all right, now tell me what your plans are. Do you have any plans? CCBC this August. And what are you going to study? Um, just general studies for now. Okay, very good. Excellent. Just general studies for now. Very good. I'm going to UMBC to study visual arts. Okay, very good. All right. Well, can we pray for you? All right. Father, we thank you for these beautiful young ladies who have now graduated high school. And we thank you for all they've learned and for the joy they are. We pray that you will guide them on their way, set a path before them where they can serve you and find great success. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. We're looking forward to hearing updates. Thank you. Last, week, last time I was up here, I think it was three weeks ago, I just happened to uh, see something crazy on the way out of our house. Uh, we had these ducks that took up residence in front of our steps or right on the side of our steps. I mean, it's a fluky thing. It's weird. And uh, on our way out of church, or, or the house to come to church, uh, the nest was empty and the ducks was gone. And as we rode down the street half a block, it turned around to come out of the neighborhood we saw the mother and 12 little ducklings walling across the road. They went across the crosswalk. It was the funniest thing. And uh, it's one of those strange things. You know, it's... Now, if I told you, though, that three weeks later, the duck is back, you would find that hard to believe. I mean, come on. I'm stretching my credibility here. Ducks don't live by your house, and I mean, is it, the mother duck must still be with the other ducks. Was this a revolving thing here, or where to beak thing? It's a great spot right here. So I wouldn't stretch my credibility to try to make you believe that we have another duck beside our steps. No, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to call a witness. Michelle, what did we see when we walked out this morning? A duck. A female duck. I mean, it could have been a... I don't know. They all look alike to me. In the same exact spot. Now, I don't know if we have premium duck space or where our house is built on an ancient duck burial ground or something. It's me. <laughs> and, so, and so now that we have a fact that we have ducks again... Then the, the reason, then you start thinking, oh, thanks, motivation, how this happened. Well, I'm not feeding them. I didn't put a spell on them. It's just a fluky thing. It's weird. But in the grand scheme of things, although it's interesting and fun, 
it doesn't really impact my life or mean anything unless they attack me. <laughs> but credibility is an important thing. And uh, a witness testifies to the credibility to others, what they say. And it's not an ancient concept. It's pertinent today. And we want to know if somebody's lying or not. We have hearings and testimonies. If you listen to the news or read the papers, it's front page to this week. Who's telling the truth? We need credible witnesses. And uh, we're going to look at what that means today. Now, last week we heard Pastor Ken preach a great sermon about an amazing event that happened, the very first Christian miracle, which was the healing of a lame beggar. Now, Jesus had healed people, um, but there had been no other healings by the disciples after Jesus had left until this time. And, um, and a lot of people saw it, and a lot of people were aware of it. And you would think everybody would be happy. I mean, this is great. Great news for the, for the lame man and for his friends and family. And what, what could be bad about healing somebody? How could you oppose that? Well, there was opposition, big opposition. And it got Peter and John into big trouble. And we're going to talk about that today. So I'm going to read you the text. This is in Acts chapter 4. And think about the people who witnessed this miracle. Now, those, there were the people that saw it happen, and there were people who saw the man after it happened. So they're witnesses, too, because they knew he was the lame guy, and now he's walking and leaping and praising God. Acts chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. That's a good response for healing somebody. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then... Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you, healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John 
and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Isn't that amazing? All these people up on the Temple Mount, thousands of them, actually, had seen this miracle. Either they saw it happen or they saw the proof. This lame beggar that everybody passed on the way up to the temple, and here he is with the disciples walking around, jumping and leaping and praising God. I'd be excited too. And yet the priests were highly upset about this, and they didn't want it to spread. Is that crazy? Obviously a work of God. But their implication was that this wasn't God's work. That's why they want to know, by what name or power did you do this? The implication was, this is a demonic sign. But uh, all the people said, we're praising God. And many believed, and the number grew to 5,000. So you have witnesses. And the witnesses are there to attest to the credibility of the message. Peter and John were preaching about Jesus being raised from the dead, and this healing done in his name was the proof. This is what gives credibility to their word. And all the other people saw it. We had amazed witnesses, happy witnesses. We also had hostile witnesses and reluctant witnesses. I was talking to a detective uh, this past week, just retired from the police department, he's got his own investigative firm now, uh, about the power of reluctant witnesses. And uh, they hold a special um, weight in court because when they testify, they seem to be going against their self-interest. They have to tell the truth, but if they had their druthers, they wouldn't talk about it or say something else. Reluctant witnesses. Well, I just happened to have a reluctant witness today to tell about what happened here. Now, he is reluctant, so I hope this goes well, so I'm not sure. It's a little sketchy, but he's in the back. I'm going to go get him. 
Can you hear me? Awesome. All right, so uh, starting with announcements while uh, Chuck gets our reluctant witness. Um, ne uh, next Sunday uh, is the Father's Day Hot Breakfast. So on Sunday, June 18th, we will be having a hot breakfast in celebration of Father's Day. We are asking people to bring a breakfast dish to share. Please sign up at the Welcome Center. Should be fun, should be yummy. Hope to see you all there. Family events team meeting. We will be having a family events ministry team meeting following the service on Sunday, June 25th in the restoration room. Uh, please see Jen Barnett for details. Jen, raise your hand. All right, so if you have any questions about that meeting or anything that we're doing in the family events ministry, see Jen. All right, the Streets of Hope Orioles game. Come out on Wednesday, June 21st at 7.05 for the Orioles versus Indians game. Tickets are $15, and everyone will receive a T-shirt with proceeds going to support the Streets of Hope Shelter, the Churches for Streets of Hope Shelter. Pat, do you want to say anything about the game? All right, so, so Pat has tickets in his office. They've sold about 200. They might be selling more. If you were going to get your tickets, please do so quickly. And it is free T-shirt night at Camden Yards, so who doesn't love free T-shirts? So uh, see Pat for details, or uh, if you know Jane Hendricks, she also has tickets. All right, so uh, Beachmont Tuesdays. Beginning June 20th, The Way will be moving to Tuesday nights and heading to Beachmont. Uh, please see Angie Weaver for details. Angie, raise your hand. So if you have any teens or know anybody who might be interested, see Angie about Beachmont Tuesdays for the summer. All right, women of faith. Women of faith will not be meeting in June, uh, so you have a month off. Meetings will resume in July. All right, and uh, we go over this every, every week, um, but it's important to remember Psalm 119, verse 11 states, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. As we journey through the book of Acts, let's practice that. This week, uh, let's commit to read Acts 4, 23 through 31 every day and to pray for God to reveal himself and his will as you read in preparation for next Sunday's sermon. So, I'm not sure that we have found our reluctant witness yet. So, um, does anybody else have any announcements that we need to be aware of for the coming week or the coming summer? <laughs> all right and, and if you see the the flowers up on our uh table i do believe that those are from outside with the garden is that right no they're not okay well they're beautiful so <laughs> but if you've been seeing the beautiful beautiful work outside that's been ron so um any help would be greatly greatly appreciated
Thank you. Not not just for the outside work or whatever. It's just anything with the church. You know, we need to take care of the church now, and it's not getting a whole lot of things done for it on there. So whatever it might be or whatever might come up, you know, just cleaning or uh, I don't know if there's any painting or anything like that to do. But, uh, you know, we can use help anywhere. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. All right, and it seems that we may have found our reluctant witness. So, setting the scene. Jerusalem at the Temple Mount under Solomon's colonnade. A.D. 33, several weeks after the Pentecost festival. Fresh bread for lunch, doves for the altar. Fresh bread for your lunch, nice doves for the altar. Would you like some? One, one shekel for, two, for a piece. Very good. We got a special sale, three for two shekels. Doves, two, two shekels a piece. Nice doves. Where, do you have your sacrifice? I have them. Get them while they're hot. They're good. I only have so many. Fresh bread for lunch. Doves for the altar. Fresh bread for lunch. Jacob, Jacob, stop. You can't sell those here. This is not a market. This is a house of prayer. All right, fine. I've been chased out of places, (laughs) out of here, by better people than you. I know how to deal with your kind. As a matter of fact, I had a run-in with Jesus. Jesus the prophet. <laughs> yeah, it was a couple months ago. I was up here selling my, my valuable merchandise. And Jesus comes into town, and he comes up here on the, on the Temple Mount, and he starts screaming and chasing us all around and knocking over tables and destroying everything. He chased all the animals out, and he let, the, let them go. He let my doves go. I still haven't made up what I lost that day. I'm not too fond of Jesus. Everybody thinks he's a prophet. But uh, we weren't doing anything wrong. I mean, we've been given this space to sell our wares is important for the temple economy. People got to eat. People got to have their sacrifices. People come from miles and miles around. They come here for this. Now play an important part. In fact, if it wasn't for us temple merchants, this whole place would come to a grinding halt. Look, all I'm asking for is a little respect. Everybody treats us like dirt. Jesus chased us out. Those priests are no better. They give us the space. They think they're so great. They keep us confined like we're doing something wrong. Not doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to make a living. It's not easy being a temple merchant. I can hardly make a living doing this either. You know, the only time I can make any money is when we have festivals. 
when there's lots of people. And I have to make my money then. And whatever I don't sell, the bread goes stale. Sometimes these birds get away or they die. And every time that happens, I lose money. And I've got to come out of pocket for this. They don't pay me to do this. I've got to earn my keep here. Wait a minute. Don't tell me. Are you, are you all followers of Jesus? I mean, come on. Tell me. Are you disciples of Jesus too? Yes. All right. All right. Well, I'll give you this. That Jesus, he's got a lot of guts. I mean, it was almost worth what he cost me <laughs> to see the look on those priests' face. When he came charging through here. I mean, I wasn't happy about it. But I remember the look that they had. Oh my gosh, he caused such a commotion. And it's chaos. And they wanted to know by what authority he was doing this. Who gave him the right to do this? I mean, he came charging up here like it was his place. And uh, screaming about his father's house. And chasing us all out. I'll tell you another thing. He hit me. That's right. He had a, a whip of cords, and he hit me. Never forget that. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Do you think he was going to change things? I get it that he was trying to bring a little order to the chaos up here. It does get crazy. There's a lot of competition. A lot of us up here. Everybody wants the cheapest price. But really, what did he think he was going to accomplish? Is he going to change things? He's upsetting the whole temple economy. You know what happened. You know what they did to him. Our leaders... These high priests conspired with the people they hate and handed him over to the Romans. Romans, And they had him crucified. Crucified! I don't care what you think about Jesus. Nobody deserves that. It doesn't get any worse than that in my book. <sighs> okay. So maybe Jesus was right. The whole place has become corrupt. I've been here a long time. I used to like to think of this place as a sacred and holy space. But I can't. I can't anymore. These priests, these self-righteous hypocrites, they treat everybody like dirt. Look down their long nose at us. I heard Jesus said something like, uh, he wishes he could rip this place down and build it over. <laughs> now, I don't know if he really said that or not, but whatever he said and everything he did made them furious. I've never seen such opposition to a guy. And for all the good that he was supposed to have accomplished... 
I don't know how they could treat him like that. And so here I am, relegated to Solomon's porch, the portico, selling our wares, my good merchandise. You know, Solomon was the one who built the first temple. And he, he was idealistic when it all started. But how did he end up? Totally cynical. You read his book. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's all wearisome beyond belief. Life is just a miserable riddle. But I'm not asking for sympathy. Don't feel sorry for me. If you want to feel sorry for somebody, look at all these crippled beggars sitting around here waiting for a handout. It's humiliating. I pity them. And these poor creatures, I feel sorry for them. I wish I could believe. But I'm beyond that. Sometimes I hate this place. I hate my life. Jacob, you're way off track. Tell us what you saw on the Temple Mount that day. Tell us what happened to the priest, to Peter and John. All right. Okay. Um, so, it was a couple of days ago. Um, I was, I had my table set up. I had my doves and some bread and some souvenirs and trinkets set up for the day's sale. And uh, there's a lot of people rushing past me, but nobody's stopping. Nobody's buying anything. And uh, they're all talking about uh, these disciples, uh, Peter and John, that they healed some lame beggar guy. Look, I don't know if they did or not. But there's never been more people at the temple but they're not here to buy my stuff or any offerings. They're here for this whole Jesus movement thing. They're here for that and not for the offerings. Now, I don't have time for all that, but I have to make a sale. And nobody's buying anything. So i got to find out what's going on. So I leave my stuff with my helper, and I go up on the other side of the Temple Mount to find out what's going on, see if I can get a clue. And there were thousands of people. And it was a lot of noise and commotion, and I really couldn't hear what was going on, but I could see the high priest and all his people. And I saw Peter and John with guards. They, they had, can you believe it? They had arrested them 
for this supposed healing. Doesn't get any weirder than that. But I don't know what's going on. And I'm squinting and trying to see what's happening. And I see this guy standing next to Peter and John, and he's jumping. I mean, he's jumping up and down, and he's waving his arms and saying hallelujah and all this kind of stuff. And I'm looking, no, it can't be. It's the lame beggar. Now, I could, I could hardly believe it. But then I realized it must have been him. Otherwise, they wouldn't have arrested Peter and John and had this whole hearing trial about this healing. <laughs> and there he is, jumping. So that's what I saw. And I've been thinking about it the last couple of days and trying to figure out what this means. I mean, I guess I understand the priest that if these guys healed this man, what is this going to do to the temple economy? Because the priest didn't heal him. And the temple didn't heal him. And it wasn't the offerings. It was these ordinary guys in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I need a change of pace. Think about this. He's healed. In Jesus' name, he is healed. In Jesus' name. Excuse me, sir. Yes. Take these and set them free. Will do.
There they go. They're free. Peter! John! Reluctant witness is an encounter with Jesus, the power of Jesus. God gave that power to the disciples to testify to the reality and the truth that Jesus Christ was raised and that he is still alive. He's not past tense, he's alive and working through his disciples. The disciples became the witnesses. The disciples had this gift to establish the church and all the power of the Holy Spirit as, as it came upon people. This is just several weeks, a couple months after the Passover festival. Just a couple weeks after Pentecost. There have been 120 disciples hiding out, afraid in the upper room. And the power of God through the Holy Spirit came upon them and transformed them into bold witnesses. And several weeks later, we now have 5,000 people who believed. And the church exploded onto the scene of the world. Within the next generation, the useful life of the temple will have drawn to a close. God sent it, had it made, lots of things happening there, and it fulfilled its purpose to reveal Jesus. And in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed by the Romans. By that point, the church had spread and was spreading throughout all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the remotest parts of the world. By the close of the first century, the church had spread to every known part of the world. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of God and the power of the witness. That's pretty exciting. Sometimes it's hard to get excited about things. Today we are so inundated by stimuli, all kinds of TV, video games, all kinds of commotion. It's easy to be distracted from the very most important thing in the world, that God is calling people to be a part of his church, a part of his family. And that's what we are. We're a part of it. Let me ask you this. What kind of witness are you? Are you a happy, excited witness, like that lame guy who was healed? Is telling everybody he can't contain himself? Or maybe like the disciples, testifying to what Jesus does in a person's life. We have hostile witnesses out there too who want to deny the power of Jesus and oppose the church. 
Now, we also have a lot of reluctant witnesses. People who witness the power of God working in the church here and all around the world. And they see it and say, well, that's interesting. You know, that's good. They're healing people. They're doing this. They're doing good works. They're a witness. But they don't participate. They don't join. Some people are not even curious. Wow. God is still using the church. The church is his vehicle for proclaiming his word and his witness in the world. We bump into people all the time. Most of us, every day, people who need a witness about the power of God. Now, I'm not asking anybody to heal somebody. <laughs> but we have a voice, and we have a life. And we can show people what it's like to know God and let them know how he impacts us. We don't have to do great things, but he does change us. And we can tell people about that. We're not perfect. We're not totally there yet, but we're in the process. And you can tell people about that. I'm following Jesus. I've learned a lot. I haven't learned at all but I'm eager to learn more. Let me tell you what he did for me. Let me tell you what I discovered in his book. He can do something for you too. Let's become better witnesses. Let's commit ourselves to God's purpose, to Christ's purpose. This isn't all just to continue on and on. He's going somewhere. He has something he wants to accomplish. He wants to return and gather his people around him and rectify everything. But he's waiting, and he's working through us. He's waiting for us to do the job, to tell people. He's waiting for people to hear and come into his family. He's very patient. So let's get with the program, the program of the Spirit, the program of God, and proclaiming the word of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, eternally grateful, that you love us so much, and that you've been so patient with the world, and that you have a plan. We didn't catch you off guard by our disobedience but you had a plan to save us. We thank you that you sent your son. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you came and touched our lives. And you died in our place. And now you call us to be reconciled to you, to be made right with you again, to become close with you. Lord, don't let us get away. Draw us close. Pursue us and change our hearts and minds that we may find you. Fill us with your spirit to accomplish your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
anybody like to come and pray? You want to know more about Jesus? Or the church? You can come forward. There we go.
想独特。